0: Hello and welcome to the Jade Autry Podcast. I'm your host, Jade Autry, and today I have a topic that I've been such, have such interest in that I've been waiting to talk to you about this. We're going to split this topic into two parts. I don't want to keep each episode too long. So today we're going to be talking about meditation and mindfulness. Now, there's been a lot of conversation in the recent decade on mental health and its importance and the factor it plays into anybody going through life, whether it be a kid at school being bullied or a college student trying to get through classes, or there is an adult trying to struggle and make way for his family or her family, or it's a retired person dealing with any issue how can mindfulness help this and i have been taking a master class by john kabat zinn on meditation and mindfulness and he's an american professor at and also the creator of the stress reduction clinic and the center of mindfulness and medicine so he's a pretty qualified person and he's been going through this uh, course and i have also been taking part of headspace the guided meditation app I think a lot of people have heard of it before. Um, I'm doing these things so y'all can be more informed about it. And um, it's been a really good experience so far. And I would just love just to dive into it. So here we go. So I think the first thing that we need to discuss or make way for is that meditation isn't an activity or state of mind. I think what a lot of people think of meditation they think of some old buddhist monk with uh, with such high awareness that he can just experience nirvana at command and that is not what meditation really is for us I mean maybe it is something like that for someone else maybe they, their visualization powers are so so great that they can just imagine nirvana and experience it But for me, that was not the case. Um, Meditation is just awareness. Um, I think a big thing that they were teaching me is that a lot of us are constantly doing Uh, we should be called human doings instead of human being. And even though it's like awareness, you don't have to do awareness. You just are aware. Is letting yourself be aware. You're already... It's like when you're cooking, you have to get up and cook. That's an activity you have to do. But you're always aware. You just have to be able to tap into it. The actual tool of tapping in might be the actual activity, but the actual state of awareness is always there. So, if we're always aware, I mean, it's kind of like meditation is life itself because life is nothing but our perceptions of it right our awareness of it so you can say that meditation is a practitioner of living life and i think that sense of awareness and this idea um can be traced back a couple of centuries to Descartes, Um If I'm not mistaken, it's cognito ergo sum. I think, therefore, I am. Um, Basically, this guy was asking himself a bunch of questions, questioning or being skeptical on whether reality actually exists. And his conclusion was the fact that he can think for himself, the fact that he is aware, lets him know that I think, therefore, I am. I exist because my mind says it exists. It's like the foundation of life, according to Descartes. And I think this definition of meditation and mindfulness is very akin to and I think it's a very interesting, um, a very interesting comparison. So a lot of the times when people are meditating, um, people say focus on breathing or teachers will say focus on your breathing and Whenever you're being quiet and you're allowing your your mind to kind of just flow through, you start to notice that your subconscious has this constant dialogue that's going. Whether it's one person, two person, five people, I don't know. Maybe hey, we're all crazy. I don't know. Either way, you're going to start hearing your internal monologue going. And... The big misconsumption is that when you're meditating, you have to clear your mind. You have to get that voice to stop. And that's not the case. The case is to observe. It's to be aware of that happening. Because by you stopping it, you are now making it an activity. You're making it an action to stop that. And it's, your activity shouldn't be to invoke action. It should be to observe action. So here's another um, here's another way of thinking about it. The mind is like an ocean. You can't stop the waves from coming. However, even though some days you have enormous 50-foot waves that can drown out entire towns, real big natural disasters, or for instance, maybe you have a hospital bill that kind of impacts your life and it's like an out-of-nowhere tsunami that hits you. What you'll notice about the mind is if you go down 20 feet in the water, so whenever there's a big storm brewing, the current on the surface level is always just flying everywhere, at thunder and panic, but beneath it, beneath the surface on the actual ocean the current hasn't changed that much nowhere near to where the surface level is and what you'll find is the mind is very it's very similar even though you're finding your when you're you're focusing on your breath and you're thinking all these things and there's so many like things that come out of nowhere in your internal monologue Or maybe you're just living life and you're being aware and something distracts you, something big distracts you. Like maybe you're maybe you and your girlfriend have a big fight and y'all break up and it distracts you from being aware. What that is, is a very surface level reaction. What you'll notice about the mind, if you dig deeper into what actually is instead of what it seems, you'll find a very calmer nature to everything, a constant. So I think the idea that we are battling right now is the idea of truth versus a thought. So a thought might arise in your mind like, oh, she's cheating on me. But is she truthfully cheating on you? Or is that just a perception? Or maybe you're running and you're running, you're saying, oh, my God, I'm so tired. And maybe you're thinking that because you've never ran that far before. But is your body really tired or is your mind convincing you that you're tired? Or maybe you're sitting down and you're meditating and you're like, oh, my God, I've been meditating for so long. Is that the truth? Is there a measurement of how long something is? Wait. Um. anyway so that idea of truth versus thought is something that has been really a big hammer nail on this first half of the lessons and this is actually a very like interesting philosophical class because I'm only talking about the first quarter right now so the next phase of like your awareness is when you notice that your subconscious is always going, you notice it's also kind of like a commentator. Like when you're watching a sports game and the commentators are constantly comment commenting on how it's acting, how the players are playing. Right? So they might see LeBron James and miss a three point shot and they're like, oh my God, if he will just only shoot when he's open, he'll probably make a lot more. But when you think about it, it's a commentator. He's not the one actually doing the action out there. So how much credit should you give the commentator? Only if you want to give him credit. So let's say the commentator is just really talking bad about your game in life, right? And you're getting yourself down. You can either give him power Or you can understand that it's just a thought and it might not be the truth maybe you don't want to hear that stuff maybe if you don't want to hear a commentator on a basketball game you just turn the TV down and it's the exact same so something that I personally learned um, while meditating is I didn't know how much power I had over my mind it's actually insane when you think about the amount of power you have so I was laying down, I was doing a lay down meditation and I was using a visualization technique, right? So if you close your eyes and just imagine a yellow dot, use that as your focal point, that's your visualization. That's your visualization of focus. Because I've been practicing that, whenever I am studying, I imagine a yellow dot on my computer screen and it's like a default focus. Right, But what I noticed is different colors have different meanings to my mind. So it seems like red, for example, represents desire and passion. So if I change that dot to red, and let's just say I put it on my foot, my foot feels like a sense of ecstasy. And whether my body's actually sending those receptors saying, yes, you're feeling pleasure right now. It's very different from my mind saying thoughts of, you feel pleasure right now. And it feels like I'm actually feeling pleasure. So it's like using the power of your mind to your own advantage. It's really funny. Um, another one is the I, there's a dark blue that I imagine. And whenever something is like where I need something to be calmed down, that's what I imagine. And it happens. It's, it's very weird. I think that something... Uh, think that's what visualization is kind of meant for but I think it's something I, I personally am more interested in and I want like to dive more into it so there's only so much I want to go into on this podcast because I know I've been kind of just talking and talking but um, these are the last couple of points that I'm just going to hit really quickly so William James. William James has a quote that I would just like to speak on really quick. The faculty of bringing back a wandering attention over and over again is the root of judgment, character and will. Nobody's the master of oneself, if not. And what William James is getting at here is when you're breathing and you're focusing on your breath. Your commentator, your mind is gonna be constantly going at it, distracting you from your breath. And the goal is to notice that. Note it, it's called noting. Note that you're distracted. See what you're distracted about, observe it, then slightly guide it back to where you're supposed to be, which is the breath, right? And this is a metaphor for everything in life so you know what path you want to focus on and your mind human nature the world's nature societal nature is going to distract you but having that sense of character that sense of purpose of driving you back to that line of the righteousness of yourself is what defines judgment character and will I think William James, I really agree with this statement of what he said. I can see it from the practice and how it translates to my life. Um, this is what mindfulness is. Being mindful of what you're doing and how it affects you in the long term. It's like a muscle. It's like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger you get at it. So, Yeah. And it's funny because the goal of this whole thing, the goal of the whole thing is you might think that, oh, I have to learn this so I can be better. But we have to remember, meditation isn't an action per se. It's a being. It's being aware. So instead of learning how to control it, you have to learn how to allow yourself to know that you already have it. And for those who say it's, that's the same thing, I would say it's a different set of mind. It's a mindset. It's a mindset difference. It's totally a mindset difference. And anyone knows mindset is everything when it comes to how we receive life. What we are aware of changes our entire perspective so I think no there's something that I want to touch on real quick so a lot of people have the misconception that mindfulness is only in Buddhism and only in these eastern Eastern, these Asian countries, but it's not it's kind of prayer is very similar um, people practice mind, mind, uh, mindfulness even without a guided person teaching them how to do it I think something that's very interesting is that in Asian languages mindful, the word for mindfulness and heart or the word physical heart and mind is the same Visual heart translates to mind. Zen. So mindfulness will equal heartfulness. So that was very interesting. I think that's something um, I would personally like to further dive into. But we are already at 16 minutes and I don't wanna I don't wanna make this a 20 minute podcast yet again. So I'm gonna finish off with a, a quote by Jules. Jalulandi Rumi I might have butchered that name so sorry but it's called the guest house and this being human is a guest house every morning is a new arrival a joy a depression and a meanness in the moment it always arrives as an unexpected visitor welcome and entertain them all Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep and rob your house empty of its furniture, still treat that guest honorably. She might clean you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, greet them at the door laughing. Be grateful for every guest who came in because they were sent as a guide from beyond. Life is going to send you omens. Life is going to send you signs. Sometimes they're in the form of something that you might perceive as very positive. Death. Debt. Heartbreak. War. All of these things that you might perceive as something that doesn't need to happen. But maybe it did because that's part of life. It all has a meaning to it. The same thing with joy, happiness, love. It will all have meaning to it. Passion, it has meaning to it. All of this is part of your guest house and you have to look and understand that they are part of one, yin and yang. You need both for balance. There is no good without bad. Good is only a spectrum to perceive what normal and bad is. So whenever you get the chance, uh, (laughs) maybe you should sit down and take maybe five minutes just to see where your mind is, see what you're thinking, see how you're feeling slash thinking. And I am going to see you on Friday as we dive in deeper into this mindfulness topic. I'm your host, Jade Autry, and this has been a pleasure. Farewell.